Thank you. I suspect all of us have a little idea of what you do to make this happen on Sunday mornings, but we thank you. It's a blessing when our spirits are lifted by music, and so, again, you blessed us. I suppose that even for those of us who are no longer young, there is something about telling ghost stories around a campfire at night uh, that may make us a little nervous. Now, we know there are no ghosts, but we may find ourselves becoming nervous in spite of ourselves, particularly if it's a good story. But suppose you did believe in ghosts. Then what if you saw one? I invite you to listen this morning as I read about the experience of the disciples. Reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 24. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled, terrified, and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, why are you frightened? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Then he said to them, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said to them, Thus it is written that the Messiah is to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses to these things. The man and the woman who made their way through the back streets of Jerusalem were almost conspicuous by their efforts to go unnoticed. Now, fortunately, no Roman Praetorian guard paid any attention to them. As quickly as they could, they made their way to a locked door that was open to them only after they had clearly made their identity known to those inside. They were bursting to tell the other believers what had happened to them. But before they could tell about their experience, its uniqueness was dimmed by the report of the 12 disciples that Jesus was alive and it appeared to Peter. When what the couple from Emmaus had to report confirmed the news that Peter had given. On their way home from the crucifixion, a traveler had joined them in the road. They didn't recognize him. And as they walked along, they talked about the Messiah. With typical Oriental hospitality, they invited him to eat dinner and spend the night with them when they reached their village. As they were eating, they recognized that their guest was Jesus. And at that, he was gone. They had no more finished telling those in the room what had happened and started answering questions about their experience when Jesus was there. Some were startled. 
others terrified. It was one thing to talk about Jesus coming back to life after he had been executed on the cross. It was quite another to see the figure of Jesus in the same room with them. Most thought they were seeing a ghost. Jesus spoke quickly to reassure his frightened friends. He invited them to touch him, to feel the nail scars in his hands. He even ate some fish to demonstrate that he was real, he was alive. And once they were sure that Jesus really was alive, they just bubbled with excitement. Then Jesus was able to spend time with them, reviewing all the things that he had taught them about faith in God. Now, in light of his resurrection, he wanted them to be able to share with others what it means to trust life to a risen Lord. He promised to give them power so they could be good witnesses. As I thought about this event, and probably as you think about it, it becomes obvious that it's not always easy to recognize the living Lord. For some then, Jesus was present, but unrecognized. Even though they had followed him for some time, even though they had been at the crucifixion, even though they knew Jesus, the couple from Emmaus was able to talk to the risen Jesus and not realize who he was. I believe that same problem exists today for some people in our society, maybe in the church. There are people who simply don't recognize the presence of Jesus. Frederick Beekner tells about the night he stood on the bridge of a small British freighter somewhere out in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. He was talking to a young red-headed junior officer who shared a useful tip with him about how to do successful night observation. They'd been looking around at the horizon, trying to spot any other ships. The young officer soon spotted one that Beekner had not seen. To assist him, the officer shared how he searched. He said to see the lights on the horizon, he had to look not at the horizon, but at the sky just above it. Beekner tried it, and then he saw the lights of the ship. I think people may not recognize the presence of Jesus in the world today because they are looking in a way that will not notice him. Instead of looking directly for Jesus, I think we may need to look indirectly, you know, off to the side a little. To see Jesus in today's world, we may need to look into the lives of people of faith or at the poor or at the hungry or at the outcast, or those in pain or suffering tragedy, or who have problems. It is in the lives of these people that we will discover the presence of Jesus. Now, if for some, the presence of Jesus was unrecognized, for others, the presence of Jesus was recognized, but discounted. The closest followers of Jesus were hiding in Jerusalem from the authorities. Not a bad idea, given the fact they had killed Jesus. Deep in grief because of the death of Jesus, they were stunned when Peter showed up to tell them he had seen Jesus alive. That report was soon confirmed by the couple from Emmaus when they arrived and told about their encounter with Jesus. Now the disciples were just beginning to adjust to what they'd been told by Peter and the couple when Jesus was in the room with them. There! But instead of joyously welcoming the risen Lord, instead of rushing over to give him a hug and grab him in joy, they thought he was a ghost, 
an apparition, a figure to fear. They weren't ready to recognize the risen Jesus. It was several years ago in San Francisco, an American Baptist seminary student went to a nearby Saturday night Easter vigil with a student from a Catholic seminary. For many Catholics, you may know, this vigil is a major celebration in the church year. Now, it turned out to be just that for this Baptist seminarian. As they returned to the campus at about one o'clock in the morning, he decided he wanted to share his joy with two other American Baptist seminarians. Banging on their door, he shouted, wake up, wake up, Jesus has arisen. No, no, groaned one of the seminarians inside the room. Go to bed. Jesus isn't getting up until sunrise. I think there are people today who don't recognize the presence of Jesus because he doesn't come at the time or in the form expected. If Jesus is not middle class or an American or scientifically provable or in a religious setting, many people may discount recognition. Jesus is here and active, but he comes in his way to do his work with those he wants. Those who accurately recognize the presence of the living Jesus are able to help others recognize his presence as well. I read a story some years ago about a a young Chinese boy. He wanted to learn about jade, and the custom of that day was that he went to study with a talented old jade master. This gentleman took a piece of stone, put it into the youth's hands, and told him to hold it tightly. And then he began to talk to him about philosophy, the men and women and the sun and almost everything under it. After an hour, the master reached over, took the stone, and sent the boy home. That procedure was repeated each day for weeks. And as you might guess, this young boy became restive and then frustrated. He had come to learn about jade, but he was too polite to interrupt his venerable teacher. But then one day when the old man put the stone into his hand, the boy cried out instantly, that's not jade. I want to suggest that those of us who recognize the presence and activity of Jesus in the world today need to assume the role of the jade teacher. We need to keep bringing people into contact with Jesus so they will know the difference when he's not present. We need to help others become familiar with the living Lord. At one point in his life, Carl Sandburg became so engrossed in his study of the life of Abraham Lincoln that he thought about little else. The people in the town where he was living and studying and writing decided to test his concentration on Abe with a practical joke. They noted that this historian went to breakfast at the same time and place each morning. So they dressed up the tallest man in town as Abraham Lincoln and had him walk down the street so that he approached and met Sandberg just as Sandberg was ready to go into the restaurant. Everyone was kind of watching from behind to see what would happen. Without blinking an eye or slowing his pace, Sandberg tipped his hat and said, Good morning, Mr. President, and went on in to eat his breakfast. He was so immersed in his study of Lincoln, he was not at all surprised to see Lincoln out on the street. Are you so immersed 
in fellowship with Jesus that you can automatically greet his presence as normal when you recognize him in your daily experience? You can be. Will you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, open our eyes, clear our minds, empty our hearts so that we will make room for you as you come to us in our lives. Renew our relationship. We pray in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen.